0: hello everyone and welcome back to the magic in the moon podcast as always i am your host david and this week i want to talk to you about prayer um i know that this term in particular has a lot of baggage for a lot of people and that's totally valid because many of us uh, myself included have trauma from our past religious affiliations if that's Christianity or Islam or anything else that was an unpleasant religious experience for you. Um, and I'm going to, in this episode, talk about prayer and kind of break down some misconceptions of what that word has become in like the Christian West versus like its historical origins. And I'm going to separate the concept and practice of prayer from Christianity and expound upon the origins of that because prayer is something that has been done across every religion, every culture prayer and worship are much older than Christianity and no one has to use these terms. If they're not comfortable using them because um, no one's spiritual practice should make them feel uneasy or uncomfortable. But if we can separate these concepts and reclaim these words as pagans and as polytheists as magical practitioners, I think it can really open up a pathway to heal ourselves and to kind of deepen our spiritual lives because not doing something because of a perceived religious association can negatively impact us. If we don't realize that Christianity does not own these things and it most definitely does not. So, many, um, perhaps most pagans have a broken relationship with prayer. Many of us were forced to pray as kids. We suffered through long and boring prayers in church and before meals. Um, some people tell us that prayer is the answer to everything while other people say that it it does nothing at all. And we all know people, um, some of whom may be Christians, but not always whose prayers resemble the Christmas list of a toddler. Right. Um, And it's enough to make the concept of prayer unpleasant to anyone. And that's really a shame because prayer is one of the most basic, most helpful spiritual practices that we see in every culture and every religion. Um, Essentially prayer is talking to the gods for all the rules and all the mystery around prayer. It's a very simple thing. Prayer is speaking to the gods. Um, Our spiritual practices as pagans is about our relationships with our deities, with our spirits, and any healthy relationship, including spiritual ones, requires communication. That's why meditation is also important, especially the kind that focuses on listening, because just like our communication with human people, we don't want the conversation to be talking at someone rather than to them and with them where we're dominating the conversation. So we need to learn to pray in a way that speaks to the gods and we need to learn to listen to them as well. The purpose of prayer is not to persuade the gods to give us things. It's not to reinforce our fragile egos or theirs. Um, the, The gods don't need to be reminded that they're important. They are gods. They know that they're gods. They don't need us to remind them of that. On the other hand, we humans, we mortals often need to remind ourselves that while we are sacred beings of inherent worth and value, the gods are gods and we are not. So just like conversations you might have with friends or family or loved ones, our conversations with the gods draw us closer to them. It reminds us to listen to them, to feel their presence, to keep their virtues in our lives. Um, some prayers are very formal and carefully scripted. They might follow a certain formula, like an invocation, then a praise and then a request. And if you come across some ancient prayers, they were definitely scripted, um, because the ones that were more impromptu were not written down often. So if you're going to use a prayer over and over again, if you're going to use it like a public setting, um, it makes sense to write it down. It makes sense to very carefully write it down. Make sure it says exactly what you want it to say. Make sure it flows. Make sure it's easy to understand, that it's grammatically correct. Um, Or if it's not, make sure that you're breaking those grammar rules on purpose and not from ignorance or carelessness. Make sure it doesn't mindlessly... uh, Make sure it doesn't mindlessly kind of steal or copy the language or the format of something else that isn't appropriate. So if you're speaking to the gods on behalf of like a gathering, make your prayer as good as it can be. Um, Other prayers are more conversational. It might be that you're speaking to the gods the same way you would speak to someone that's physically standing in front of you. Um, Maybe you have like a really serious need. So you have to describe it in detail. Maybe you're negotiating the terms of an agreement where you have to really clearly explain what you will do and what you will not do or maybe you just want to express yourself maybe you're just speaking from the heart maybe you're just trying to tell them how you feel about something and it's not formal at all so like for me for example the only time I really use like very formal very scripted prayers is usually like in a ritual or a ceremony because there's very specific invocations and prayers that are used in my tradition for that. But aside from that, like in my daily life, when I'm just giving offerings to my gods in the morning, I don't do that. I just kind of thank them for being a in my life. I kind of just give them my thoughts and my affections as I'm kind of lighting candles and giving them their offerings. It's not formal. It's very impromptu. It's very casual. Um, but those are also relationships I've built up over a very, very long time. Um, So there's a time and place for both, is what I'm saying. So maybe you're asking, but David, what do you actually say in a prayer? What is the content of a prayer supposed to be? And that depends on its function. Um, So for example, one, I guess, type of prayer is an invocation. And that's calling a deity and asking them to hear you. And it's very common to address them by many of their titles or epithets. Part of this is to make it very, very clear who you're talking to. But another part is to remind yourself of who you were talking to. Because again, the gods know their gods. We are the ones that forget, not them. So that's why there's a little bit more formality with an invocation in particular. Um, An example of that could be Um, we'll use Hecate as an example, Um, only for the reason that I am very familiar with her many, many titles. Eo Hecate Setoira. Come to this place, Hecate the Savior. That's an example of a very formal invocation. You are petitioning her to give her attention and to listen to you. You were calling on a very specific name of her to make it clear who you're asking to come to the ritual or to come to the prayer, but you're also reminding yourself of that need of that desire you have for that situation. Another type of prayer is praise recounting their virtues and the great deeds of the gods. Um, I would doubt that any of the gods are insecure or needy or have any sort of desire to like, need us to boost their egos. But by praising the gods, we're reminded that they are deserving and that they're worthy of those things and that those beneficial qualities of the gods improve how we live. So we're not praying and worshiping them, excuse me, we're not praising and worshiping them because it's an ego trip or because they demand that of us. We're doing it out of reciprocity, which I'll talk more about in a moment. We're doing it out of thankfulness which brings me to my next point of Thanksgiving. And if the gods have been generous to you, say thank you. If they answered your prayer and brought you what you wanted or needed, say thank you. Um, just like you would with a person. If you say to, let's say, a parent that you need help with something and they give you some money, you're saying thank you. So it's really easy to kind of right off worship as like this crazy, like fundamental Christian thing where people like lose their minds. Um, if you grew up in like a very Pentecostal charismatic Christian environment like me, it might bring back some very unpleasant memories, but at its core worship and praise and Thanksgiving is just being thankful for the gods being present in your life and for bringing you what you need. So, Um, another type of prayer or a function of prayer perhaps is devotion. This is one of the ways that we build close relationships with our gods, talking to them in prayer. What about them do you admire? Tell them that, tell them what you admire about them, express your thankfulness for something they've done for you. And again, you can, you can separate this from like the woo woo kind of strangeness of it. Like, how would you talk to your grandmother or an aunt or uncle that you admire? What would you say if they came to visit you or they did something nice for you? The gods are more than those things, of course, but it's best to approach deities with reverence. But expressions of our love for them and our devotion to them are always appropriate. And of course, there are requests. The gods are persons. They're not mortal humans, but they are persons. They're not vending machines where you insert offerings and blessings fall out. Um, I've seen some pagans who have no issues about approaching deities they have no relationship with whatsoever and asking them to do really huge things for them. I am not going to say that never works, but I kind of compare that to walking up to a stranger and asking them for something substantial. The chances of them doing it for you is not a zero, but I would say it's not likely either. So like when I, you know, do work or petitions or spell work or whatever on behalf of someone that needs something, I'm never going to call upon a deity that I don't have a substantial relationship with already. Remember that this runs on reciprocity. So if a God does something for you, they might ask you to do something for them. And we all want to avoid sounding like a kid sitting on Santa Claus's lap. Um, There's nothing wrong with asking the gods to do something for you or speaking to them about your desires and your wants and your needs. Think about those things. What is it that you want the most? What do you value? What calls to you? Say it. Tell them how you feel and then listen. Another question um, that might come up is kind of who should you pray to? And a lot of the time I say the gods or deities or whatever, because I'm not trying to mention any particular spirits or deities. But in my personal practice, um, as a polytheist, I never really pray to the gods as a collective. Um, I'm a priest of two very, very specific deities uh, of my tradition, my initiatory tradition. Um, there are some odishas I've received in another tradition. So I have these... There's a handful of deities that I'm very specifically a priest of and my relationship to them as a member of that priesthood is different than gods I have devotions to, but I'm not necessarily servants of. So those dynamics matter as well. So I might pray to those gods for things more often because I have a closer, more in-depth, more complicated and dynamic relationship with them. But then aside from them, I might pray to Santa Muerte for protection because I am a devotee of hers, even though I'm not her priest. So I'm not going to name off specific deities that you should pray to because that's up for the individual to determine and find out for themselves. Um, But just know when I'm saying the gods, you can fill that in with whichever deities or spirits are relevant to your life and your practice um, in particular. So I'm going to get a little bit into like the kind of the history of prayer and things now, because I know that a lot of us do have hang-ups and distaste for the concept of prayer or of worship, because we've had bad experiences with the religions that we were raised in. And that's valid. You don't have to use these words if they make you feel uncomfortable. Um, but prayer and worship are much older than Christianity. And especially in the context of like paganism and polytheism and magical practice, there's a lot more freedom and egalitarianism and innovation that's allowed when we approach our spirituality. So the meanings of certain words and practices are a lot more flexible than what we were taught in like fundamentalist Christian churches, for example. And this might be a little bit uncomfortable to acknowledge, but I think we can have a better understanding of the versatility of a prayerful life when we separate these ideas from what we think they have to mean in the context of Christianity. So at its most basic, prayer in the English language derives from the Latin word "precari," which means to beg. And it's probably the idea of prayer that most of us are familiar with, where like the devotee is praying to a higher power to ask them to do something. and this type of prayer exists in all societies, but particularly the way it's expressed in like super hardline fundamentalist Christian communities, I think is very disempowering for many, many reasons. But even in Christianity itself, many different types of prayers have always existed. And I mentioned different functions of prayer earlier as far as invocation, devotion, etc. But um, even in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, there are four different types of prayer listed worship and praise, petition and intercession, supplication and thanksgiving, which can be expressed in the same earlier mentions of petition and intercession as well. And there's also mental prayer, also called contemplative prayer, and there's vocal prayer. Um, And these are convenient categories and that we'll kind of circle back to, but mentioning them here is to kind of give the pagan and give the polytheist a broader perspective of, of what prayer can be And also to kind of build a bridge into the prayers of pre-Christian, the pre-Christian world. So I think fundamentally, pagan prayer can be summarized in the Roman phrase, do et this, which means I give that I may receive. This concept of reciprocity, unlike the conventional Christian act of begging, does not require you to take up any specific theological position. It's not about what you believe. It's about what you do. And I've said that so many times on the show, and I will always say it because we are so conditioned in the Western world to default to Christianity, even in ways that we don't realize. So this is not about what you believe. It is about what you do. So to put it in more secular terms, it's similar to buying a drink for someone that you are interested in or paying for a meal when you're having lunch with a colleague. You're not guaranteed that you're going to get the outcome that you want, but it's a form of relational giving that can kind of start the process of building up reciprocity. If you buy that person that you think is attractive a drink, they're not guaranteed to go on a date with you. But as a gesture of goodwill, it's more likely that you could. If you're at a business meeting and buy lunch for them, they're not guaranteed to work with you on a project, but they're more likely to. So when we develop this relationship over time and it becomes based upon mutual beneficial agreements, then it can become more worshipful with a DED that is. Um, that's, this emphasis is on doing something. So let's think about some examples of how this can work. One example is approaching that deity would first require kind of you to establish some connection to them. So there's this theurgical understanding called theoria, which means contemplation, realization. My dogs are barking a little bit, so apologies if you can hear them. Um, But let's say that you're a traveler and you find yourself inspired to make an offering at a temple in a foreign country, let's say India, for example. You probably need to ask which deity is being honored at that temple, what their domain is, what is their sphere of influence, what is their patronage. And ideally, you would want to ask what protocols exist to give that deity honor. Um, If you can't find that out, maybe you don't speak the language, then another way to do that would be to respectfully watch how other people make offerings and then do the same thing that you see them doing. Another example would be to look up the mythological attributes of a particular deity, set out an offering, maybe uh, light a candle, maybe read some of their myths and their stories, and maybe if you feel like it, if there's literature available, you could read a hymn to them or a prayer to them that's been recorded for a long time. So this approach in particular kind of combines a form of contemplative prayer, an outward form of offering. And a verbal component along with whatever petition that you might be bringing them and these are all steps being taken towards relationship so let's use the example of the Greek God Hermes so Maybe you could print out a picture of him you could frame it you could put it near a doorway for example because he's the patron deity of travel and of guardian of um, in between places he's guardian of the home Entrance of cities, for example. So you could print out a photo. You could put it in a frame by your door. You could give him some water and some coins because he's the god of commerce as well. So you could do those things and you could ask him to bless you for safe travel and financial stability. And then maybe you could recite a hymn for him. So over time, this can evolve into something more than just casual. And it could become more relational, more devotional, more worshipful. And once you have that relationship established, that dynamic will become more mutually beneficial. And that's just like any human relationship as well. Um, That might include honoring him through more elaborate offerings. Prayers and ritual might be um, increased. This could require more research on their myths and their history. This could include conversations with other devotees of Hermes who might already have a more established relationship with him. And then it can kind of evolve into something as complex as maybe celebrating a feast day or a festival in his honor as best as you can. Um, so I think this might seem kind of exotic or strange to some of us if we're not used to reaching this point of relationship with gods. But this does fulfill the four types of prayer that I mentioned earlier. So using this example of Hermes, number one, worship and praise setting up a small shrine to him, making offerings and praying. Number two, petition and intercession, making subsequent requests to him upon receiving beneficial results. So you gave an offering and a prayer. He did something for you. You give more offerings and prayers. You were giving and receiving. Number three, supplication, relying on or acknowledging him has improved your life and this hence uh, your travel and your finances and now you trust him like a friend. And number four, Thanksgiving, you're returning the favors granted with gratitude and more offerings, more prayers, and you are deepening your studies and your practices. So prayer does not need to be elaborate all the time, but it absolutely can become so. Um, And we see this throughout every part of the world and every culture, in beautiful temples, rich artistry, And it's from these devotions that culture itself can expand and express itself in music, song, dance, poetry, philosophy, ethics, and even in practices that we might think of as being secular, like athletics, because Hermes is the patron of the gymnasia, which we understand in the modern sense to be like sports competitions. So when we pray like pagans, we need to shift our perspective that worship is owed only to one particular being and that we don't have to binge to the whim of like the Bible God. So, I hope that this helps you to separate the concepts of prayer and worship from maybe what we were taught by toxic religious upbringings. I hope that you have a more varied and diverse and in depth sense of what this actually means. And um, yeah, that's all I have for you all this week. Um, I will include my sources in this week's episode. And I'd like to give a shout out to John Beckett at Pathos Pagan. Um, His article called The Pagan Practice of Prayer was very influential in this episode. And I would also like to give um, a shout out to Michael Lux, also known as the Gentleman Necromancer, because his blog post called Praying Like a Pagan was also helpful for this. And I will credit and link both of them in the episode's description as well as the sources for the episode. But that's all I have for you guys this time. And I will see you next week.